What's up? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 415 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, myself, Marcus Seiler, Jesse Johnson, Jonathan Carpenter, Xavier with all of his good vibrations. I saw Xavier in chat telling everybody to have a productive day. Ian Kincaid, Travis Connor, so many folks on LinkedIn, on YouTube, Team Live, squad members, community members, Simply Cyber, newcomers, and long timers are going to be shredding through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to break into the street, there's going to be value here for you. I promise you, you're going to hear terminology, concepts, threat actors techniques the works so stay tuned we've got a great show for you as a reminder i do not review prepare research or do any type of prep for the show (laughs) before we go live i literally get to my desk about six minutes before i hit go live bring up all the little tabs pour a cup of coffee listen to some music and then i hit go live so it's going to be a good one it's always lively team live you guys are awesome. Team Replay, you guys are great too. I want to remind you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat. And remember that those CPEs stack. What's up, Steven Mount? Thanks for the squad. Those, um, oh, hold on. Where's my Chiron? Chiron. Um, there we go. Um, the CPE stack, so it's two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up and make sure you can take a screen cap or whatever you want to get those uh, CPEs. Navia with the hashtag Team Live. If, you wanna, if you're not sure what to say, maybe you're not a chatty Kathy, but you're like, oh, do I say hello? What do I? Hashtag Team Live. Let us know you're part of the live set here on episode 415. If you're on replay, hashtag Team Replay. I do love me some Team Replay as I've made abundantly clear in every single episode. My new favorite, hashtag first timer. If you are here at 8 a.m. Eastern time live with us and it's your first time, you're like, who is this guy? Why is he so loud? What the heck? It's too early to be this loud. Why is he drinking from a giant cup of coffee? What's up with this dude? Let us know in chat, hashtag first timer. We do love to have you. Hashtag (laughs) left coast. I see you, Adam V. Nick Barker. Excuse me, Poner Joe. A lot of all uh, Boston Rob, who's more like San Diego Rob, all the left coast love. Great to see everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Coffee is awesome for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into the stream, let me take a hot second and say um, shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Eric Taylor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. You guys, um, you guys know exactly who Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber is. Eric Taylor regularly dropping. Um, visits as guest host, Barricade Cyber, helping businesses recover from ransomware. Listen, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated not only to helping the cybersecurity community, but also helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for business 
uh, businesses and send hardworking, dedicated business owners, maybe like yourself or the people that you help uh, protect daily into turmoil. But here's the deal, y'all. Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Uh, I don't think Boston Rob ever did write to the sheet, Jenny Housley. Um, I DM'd him and he went dark. So uh, I don't know. I've I've had tacos with the guy. Love it. Um, So if you go on uh, Eric Taylor or Barricade Cyber's website, right, you can meet Eric Taylor, which is, you know, a treat unto itself. Or you can set up if you're actively dealing with a ransomware incident or business email compromise. This is how you set it up. Boom, you're on his calendar and off you're running. As early as, shall we say, noon today, grab a spot of lunch with Eric. Guys, all joking aside, the real deal here is if you're dealing with a ransomware incident, you're not going to want to be figuring it out. I say it all the time. It's like fire department. If your house is on fire, you're not like, oh, we should really evaluate the fire departments in our area and determine um, through kind of an objective analysis which one's most likely to put this fire out. You're like, holy crap, just get this fire. Put it out. Please, please, please. I'm, I'm, I'm emotional. I'm not thinking clearly. That's why you already should have talked to Barricade Cyber. That's the deal with that. I also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Cyber. You guys know him. Brandon Poole, the crew up there at Panopsi, delivering massive uh, value to businesses. But one value, if, as much as Barricade Cyber is right of boom and helping with ransomware incidents, Panopsi Cyber is left of boom uh, with one of their services, a quantified risk assessment, which basically, say you're taking over a new program, Greenfield, or you're cleaning up some other CISO's mess, whatever it is, you can come in with a quantified risk assessment, clear the deck, and lay out a three-year roadmap with a plan for each year, each quarter, frankly, on cyber risk spend, how it's going to actually result in cyber risk reduction, how you can report that up to leadership, um, just where you have uh, duplicative controls in place, which does happen if you can imagine that, where your biggest gaps are, etc. It's like basically being able to turn on the lights and look around and see what your actual situation is. That's a quantified risk assessment, massive value. If you or your business need that, panopsi.com, links in the description below. Brandon uh, will set you up for success. Uh, As a side note, uh, personally, me, Jerry Ozier, who owns Coastal Information Security Group, which is my own consulting firm that I don't really talk about all that often, uh, is partnering with Panopsi on some work. So um, yeah, it's good times. All right, and also anti-siphon, Black Hills training, but more about them at the mid-roll. All right, guys, we got a great show for you. It is Tidbits Tuesday, so every day of the week has a special segment, and Tuesdays is Tidbit Tuesday, where I share a little bit um, information about myself. Uh, today, I got an interesting one, uh, and we'll see if it's one that polarizes the community or... Um, uh, <laughs> unites the community so we'll see how that goes but all i'd ask you to do is chill out sit back relax and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave i'll see you guys at the mid-roll from the CISO series it's cybersecurity headlines it's tuesday july 25th 2023 clop moves leaked data to clear websites Like many threat groups, typically the Klopp ransomware organization publishes leaked data on their own dedicated sites on the Tor network. 
This data is technically public, but isn't on a search index and only accessible with a Tor browser that generally has slower download speeds. Now, the Clap Group began publishing leaked data from the Move-It attacks directly on internet accessible sites. This isn't an original move. The ALF v ransomware group started doing this last year. These sites are specific for each victim, designed to ratchet up pressure on the firms to pay a ransom. These do show less sophistication compared to the ALF v sites, which included search functionality. So far, Klopp just provides links to download data dumps. All right, hold on one second. EU governments Please. push back. Jesus. Hold on one second. There's something happening that um, I have to I have to step away. I'm like just for a second to just look really quickly. So <laughs> I sincerely apologize. This will take all of like five seconds. So uh, give, give me one second really quickly um, here. Uh, let me just play some music. Okay, issue solved. All right, hey guys. Um, okay, so Klopp now leaks its data on clear web websites. If you want to see what a data dump is without having to get a Tor browser and a hazmat suit on, um, there you go. There's probably, is there a link? Uh, oh, let's see if there's a link. <clears throat> I would recommend, uh, hold on one second. I would recommend, um, <clears throat> depending on who you are, uh, here's the deal. Depending on who you are and what you're doing, you may not want to download this data. It could seem appealing, okay, where you're like, oh, like, let's just go grab this data and mill through it. You know what I mean? But you do run the risk of uh, entangling yourself <clears throat> in a data breach of sorts, right? Um, I will say, I know, you know, there are threat intel um, analysts, there are you know, incident response firms that will go through because you need to understand what the data is so you can properly um, assess the impact and contact people and stuff like that. But just going, <clears throat> but just going YOLO <clears throat> on the data, I don't know. You make your own choices, but obviously CLOP is um, like, let's think of what their motives are. They're obviously ratcheting up. They have so much data from the move it breach now that they're, I have to imagine they're discovering that just having it on dark web, AKA Tor uh, enabled or Tor, you know, <clears throat> accessible websites is not um, yielding as much, uh, <clears throat> God damn it, as much impact. <clears throat> it's not yielding as much impact as they wanted, right? The whole reason that you leak it on a dark website is so you can embarrass and scare the victim into wanting to pay a ransom. Well, my suspicion is that move it is it's such a massive data breach with so many different um, victims that the victim pool is getting, it's almost like hiding in plain sight because there's so many victims that people are just, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but you're almost numb to it, right? Oh, it's DHL. Oh, it's Ubisoft. Ooh, it's, you know, whatever, like city of Minneapolis, like whatever, right? It's like, Jesus, okay, like enough, I'm done. I'm not going to sift through all this. So I, but I suspect that they're trying to make it more accessible by a larger audience and pushing it out. Certainly being in the news like this is going to help normal people like you and me find it on the, on the clear web, right? So like there is something to be said about not reporting on this. 
because like basically by reporting on this, you're telling a bunch of people who probably wouldn't have known that it's out there now, which is going to increase the amount of, it's like looking at a car accident on the other side of the road. There's no reason the traffic should slow down on my side of the road. If the accident's on the other side, yet with 100%, 100% success rate, the traffic on my side will slow down despite there being no accident and no reason for any traffic to be slowed down. It's the same thing. So what, what's going to end up happening is because now it's gotten picked up by major news, right? Like I could even see this getting pushed up further to like ABC News or NBC or whatever. Um, more people are going to go access it. I don't know if it's going to result in more ransoms being paid. That's to be determined. Um, you know, <clears throat> it's a bit, a bit desensitized. Oh, wow. Look at this. They make it pretty easy too, guys. It's like, here's the data. Download it. No marketing copy here. Just go. Just go. All right, let's do it. Move it. Move it's the... Dude, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> no one's had really said this. No one's really said this, but like... I feel like 2023 will be like the year of the move it attack. Like we might use it. Like I, it's so massive. And so like lingering that we could say that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Of course, people didn't say like 2020 was the year of Log4j, but I don't know. Whatever. Whoops. <laughs> All right, dance party. Everybody go. Governments push back on centralized cyber reporting. The draft of the Cyber Resilience Act under consideration by the European Council initially called for requiring manufacturers to report actively exploited vulnerabilities to the European Union Agency for Cybersecurity or... Oh, hold on. Um... Ronnie over on LinkedIn is saying that that clear website is down. Okay. That's interesting. So everything I just said, I still feel strongly about. And now I'm wondering if <clears throat> whoever hosts the uh, clear website, because uh, you can't really, I mean, you can get bulletproof hosting, but whoever's hosting this, I wonder if they were able to pull it down, like the federal government or something like that. Interesting. Isa. However, after pushback on this requirement, the EC amended the bill to now call on reporting these to EU member countries' Computer Security Incident Response Teams, or CERTs. This body would then send warnings of the vulnerabilities to other national authorities under an intelligence sharing platform operated by ANISA. Some critics of the first draft of the CSA said having ANISA stockpile all vulnerability disclosures made them a more likely target for cyber attacks. Oh my god. Okay, yeah, more likely target of cyber attacks for sure, for sure. Um, when I read this, I can't help but be like, um, I can't help but like think of Nicole Pellroth's book, This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends. <clears throat> okay, where is it? This book right here. I can't, I can't read a story like this and not think of this book right here, okay? What they're proposing here is, and, and it's, a, it's a good idea on the surface, is that manu all manufacturers, I, I guess, and I might be getting this a little bit wrong, but all manufacturers in Europe, um, you know, like, so say they're like a bug bounty, right? And, and like Siemens has a, a bug and I report it through, you know, HackerOne or Integrity or something like that. And they get notified and they validate it. Yes, true bug. They would then be required to report to some kind of, you know, overwatch government uh, agency uh, of the vulnerability and that vulnerability would then 
could be disseminated through a central information point. Okay, kind of think of the way that um, CISA does the known exploited vulnerability uh, thing, kind of. Mono Julian with a super chat. Good morning, my fellow cyberheads from Cyberwire to Simply Cyber. Ready for them updates. Let's connect. Looking for a fellow Goffa within here, live in the Boston area, or live in the Boston area. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Mono Julian. Great call, too. Uh, looking to go golfing with somebody. A, a fun activity that you can share, um, you know, and get a good, some good exercise, a good walk. My man, so if there's another Boston player who's wanting to do golf, not disc golf, because that's what I'm, I'm into, but if you're looking to hit the links with Mono Julian, um, connect with him. Good call, Mono, and thanks for the super chat. Uh, so back to this one. Think of the way CISA does the known vulnerability exploited catalog, except those are all already out there. My suspicion is that this, and this is where it gets tricky, is that this is for vulnerabilities that are unreported or not uh, or reported, right? So you could be stockpiling things that the vendors are still looking to patch and roll out. And while on the surface, it sounds cool because it's like, oh, like, let's do like real intelligence sharing. At the same time, it really begins to um, give me uh, irritable bowel syndrome to think of giving um, very powerful nation states access to zero days effectively. And again, in Nicole Powell's book, she goes into great detail in the first half of the book about how uh, zero days are weapons and how uh, governments love having them. And it really is a cyber weapons arms race. And I'm just thinking, A, if, if we assume good faith by this centralized body in Europe, um, then they are a massive target to hack because they would have all the zero days. And if you want to think nefariously and cynically, well, then you're basically requiring vendors to report zero days up to a central body who's going to have means, money, time, energy, resources to weaponize those and use them as a super cyber tool kind of thing. So, you know, draw your own conclusion, be cynical, be, um, be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Optimistic, but you know, this, this is part of the reason. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to qualify why something that seems so easy and so, uh, obvious, why, why would anyone reject it or push back? Cost of a data breach up 15%. Yeah. That finding comes from IBM Security's cost of a data breach report, which looked at global organizations from March 2022 through March 2023. The overall cost of a data breach jumped 15% over the last three years to an average of $4.45 million. Within that cost, detection and escalation cost increased 42% in that period, showing a shift to more sophisticated breach investigations. Organizations not disclosing ransomware-related data breaches to law enforcement saw breach life cycles take up 33 more days than average, with an additional $470,000 in costs. 57% of organizations that experienced a data breach planned to pass that cost off to consumers, while 51% planned to increase security investments. Well, okay, so there is a lot to... Oh, by the way, I want to say what's up to Sherry. I feel like I like Sherry's come, come back from more here. Uh, Sherry's um, the uh, the grandmother who's uh, getting cyber knowledge uh, to engage with her grandkids. Good to see you, Sherry. Um, guys, so they report they okay. So the IBM Verizon data breach incident report is a 
annual report that I love. Again, I still haven't had time to read it this year's, which is disgusting. But get back to me on September 2nd because I'm going to be all up and <laughs> I'm going to be all up in a lot of things businesses starting September 2nd if you're picking up what I'm putting down. IBM does release the X-Force Threat Intelligence um, report. I don't know if they call it that, but basically it's an annual report that IBM has. Now, you got to remember, guys, Verizon Data Breach, IBM's report, um, there's an M-Trends one. I forget who makes the M-Trends one. It might be Trend Micro, but there's there's these reports that, um, and I don't know if FireEye releases one. They totally should. But there are these reports where these massive security vendors that have huge, huge deployments, like globally, they have so much freaking intel that they can report very, very accurate informed statistics just because they have the telemetry and it's good. It's it's not it's another thing when you're just like pontificating where like you interview like eight professionals in the space and then you report that like 72% of businesses think that they're spending too much. It's like, yeah, but your data set's kind of poor. Um IBM securities reports are right on. So there is a, when I say there's a lot of meat on this bone, we could do an entire hour show on this report and this story alone. So I won't, I won't do that right now, but uh, note to self, <laughs> note to self, note, note to the mods, note to whatever. I am capturing um, show ideas for recurring shows since I'm going to have more time to do more shows uh, starting in September. So um I, I think this could be a good one. Maybe this will be part of uh, SC Cafe. Just like, <laughs> this is what I think is fun. Casually, dis uh, casually discussing, discussing, excuse me, casually discussing uh, cyber statistics. Now, of all the things that jumped out in this report, one thing that I want to call out to your attention is that they said here, where is it? Um, it said that detection went up. Where is it? All right, key findings right here. I'm going to pull on this string right here. Key findings, detection and escalation jumped 42%, okay? And representing the highest portion of breach costs. Okay, so check this out. I have a suspicion that this has um, jumped almost 50%, right? Like this is a massive jump. And I believe the... Hold on, let me see if I can get this screen a little bit better for everybody... Yeah. I suspect this this is why is because when you think of like um information security spend, right? From a CISO's perspective, a lot of like left of boom stuff like like um protection mechanisms, they're kind of yeah, they have maintenance costs and ongoing fees and stuff like that, but they're kind of like you you know, you buy a firewall, you install it. Uh the GRC stuff doesn't have massive spend. Maybe you get an information security training platform, whatever. The EDR solutions, that's where spend comes. The SIM solution and logging of um, telemetry in your environment, right? Like all the things that SecOps people look at, the security operations people, blue team defenders, everything they're looking at when there is an incident, like ask, ask Eric Taylor in chat. I'm sure Eric's in chat. When you come on a, a breach, right? So like, let's just say Jesse Johnson, let's say Jesse Johnson owns a dispensary, right? Because he lives in Colorado. He owns a dispensary and he gets hit, right? He calls Eric Taylor at Barricade and says, Eric, I just had a ransomware attack. Please get over here. And Eric um, runs over and kicks in the door, right? And he's like, what? He's like, all right, Jesse, I'm here. I'm going to set you up. 
where are your logs? It's literally the first question he's going to ask. Where are your logs? And Jesse's going to be all like, ah, I know I was supposed to install those logs, but I didn't. Okay, well, we need logs so we can have telemetry so we can actually have visibility into the environment. Okay, this is a silly little story. But my point is logs and telemetry is like that is the lifeblood of an incident responder and a SecOps person. It's how they get visibility. So by adding tools like EDR and, you know, Sysmon doesn't cost anything, but but deploying it everywhere. And then um, a lot of the SIM solutions make their money on the logging, uh, the amount of data being logged and stuff like that. So I have to think that that's part of it. Additionally, now when you, when you have an incident, you call your insurance company who deploys a bunch of uh, incident responders. You call a barricade. Uh, cyber solutions who comes in, right? People cost money, right? Like I know we all have righteous um, intent, but we also have bills to pay and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So humans cost money. And when there's more of them, it costs more money. This is what I suspect is the increase in detection and escalation costs, if I had to guess. Uh, James McQuicken with the super chat. Good morning and coffee cup cheers as always. James, coffee cup cheers to you, sir. Greetings from the CTZ. Speaking of logs, how do trees get on the internet? They log in. Ah -ha! I don't have the Nelson laugh sound effect right now, but ah -ha! and also we just become best friends. Yep. thanks for the super chat. Um, just uh, note to self, note to the community. I, I might try to organize a, uh, a, a panel, a panel um, stream around this report. Uh, and also around the Verizon data breach report. James McQuiggan said he wanted to be on the Verizon data breach report panel. A couple other people have uh, expressed interest. So there's certainly um, opportunity there. Anyways, uh, TLDR, go read this report if you're interested. Um, Sherry, I'll tell you what, if you read this report and then just drop knowledge bombs on your grandkids, they're going to be like, ah, like just face melting. They're going to be like, my grandmother's so cool. Ah, okay. I'm just, just, just saying, just saying. Flipper Tool gets an app store. The Flipper Zero is a wireless tool offering NFC, RFID, Bluetooth, and sub-gigahertz wireless radios. It's open hardware, so developers already wrote many custom apps for the platform. However, this required downloading code from repositories like GitHub and loading them onto a micro SD card. Now, Flipper Devices released a mobile app on iOS and Android, which lets users browse and install apps from their phone over Bluetooth. Company spokesperson Yuri Moldasov told The Verge the App Store already offers almost 100 applications. And All right, so I will tell you, I own a Flipper Zero, okay? If you don't know what this thing is, it's basically like, it's a physical hardware device that has a bunch of wireless, um, wireless capabilities that can be used for wireless security type things, right? Also, this is like 120 bucks, 200 bucks. If you're looking to get like a more affordable one that has a little less features, uh, may I also remind you that uh, Retia, uh, Cody Kinsey's Retia, um, has the Wi-Fi Nugget, also get awesome. But one of the cool things about the Flipper Zero is that the entire operating system is on an SD memory card that goes in here. And there's a huge community around, uh, oh yeah, for... The, the, the rare Eric Taylor flipper uh, sound effect. There is a um, huge mod community around it. This thing had like a mod community 
uh, which is basically like making modified versions of files and stuff and putting it on there. This thing had a mod community from Jump Street. There's mod server, there's server, Discord servers with mod communities and stuff like that. My personal favorite one is the Flipper Zero unofficial Discord server. Long story short, if you got one of these things, they're fun to play with. And the community is so strong that now they have an app store, which just makes it easier. Um, there is a web UI for updating it and in interfacing with it. Um, it's just a lot of fun. You see people walking around with them. Um, so I, I won't say much more than that. They do have a um, developer board for Wi-Fi, which I, I got and haven't done anything with. But don't worry, catch me after September 2nd. And because uh, see how it's got the GPIO pins up here. Hold on. Come on, bro. Camera likes my face. Yeah, GPIO pins and you just drop it in. Doink. And now you're Wi-Fi. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm locked and loaded now, baby. So haven't messed with that. Huge community. There's an app store. If anybody in chat has gone to the app store um, and has any recommendations for apps, we could probably do uh, some content around those. That'd be a lot, lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Chat uh, Cat GPT. I will say from a just really quickly, um, this made m major waves. People were like breaking into Teslas and stuff like that. I am not a professional pen tester. I found limited use for the Flipper Zero. It was fun. It was fun, and I liked being able to save off the um, the codes to open and close my garage and other people's garages. Um, I tried to get the codes, um, for, uh, unlocking my car, unable to do that. I was able to, uh, pay, uh, clone credit cards, but because of the chip technology, I was unable, I tried to buy talk. I, I literally cloned my own credit card and then tried to purchase tacos, um, from, from, uh, taco kitchen and, uh, was unable to execute the transaction. So it's fun. It's a party favor for me, but it's not, um, I'm not like quitting my job and going like pro pen tester with my flipper zero. So that, that's what it is. But it, it's part of the reason it's to me, it's really a community. It, this is more for community. This is more of an SC cafe thing than a simply cyber thing. Now we'll bird from our sponsor app Omni SAS cyber attacks are prevalent and often go unnoticed until data loss or a breach occurs. Sign ins from an unusual IP address, stolen session tokens, these security risks can lurk in the shadows and put your entire SaaS estate at risk. Don't wait for a breach to secure your SaaS data. App Omni helps security teams to detect suspicious activity, decide what activities to be alerted on, and receive guided remediation. Learn how at appomni.com. All right, let's do the mid-roll. And also, <clears throat> I just commented to Robert Sanchez. Robert Sanchez, first of all, congratulations on having a GRC interview next week. That's fantastic. Super pumped for you. Um, GRC tools, I will say, I put it in chat. My simply, uh, my GRC Analyst Masterclass does have labs in each segment where we do use some tools. However, I will say, if they're talking about enterprise-grade tools like RSA's Archer or something like that, you're not going to get access to that tool as a general end user because it's an enterprise grade application. And spoiler alert, Robert, I mean, I don't know how flippant you can be with this interview, but like, you know, secret, like a lot of ex uh, GRC people use Excel. Like, I, I, 
uh, I know we don't bring a, bring it up at Thanksgiving dinner table, but like Excel is a pretty powerful tool for the GRC analyst. All right, uh, let's keep going. It's a mid roll, so we do the same thing here. Hey, 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 hey! All right, guys, we we made it halfway through the show. It's eight thirty, bottom of the hour. Want to just take a hot minute and thank all of you for being here. All two hundred. Oh, holy crap! Three hundred eighteen. What? Jesus, you guys snuck up on me. I was like, had my head down working on something up here. I look up and there's 318 of you. That is fantastic. I suspect that that's a new record. So congratulations, Simply Cyber Community. Super, super pumped to have all of you here. I would like to say, um, if you're getting value from the show, take a minute if you're on YouTube, hit the the like button. It's not for my um, feel-good vibes. It's literally... If enough of us hit it, it will trigger the YouTube algorithm and YouTube will go find other people who are searching for cybersecurity content and will bring it, bring them here or at least make them aware of the stream. So please pay it forward. It is definitely a record. There's no doubt. 318 is a record. Uh, thanks again to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Panopsite. Guys, I want to remind you, Anti-Siphon Training is also a sponsor. Uh, this is the training arm of the Black Hills Information Security uh, company that is a amazing company. Uh, John Strand does have an emote in the emote tray for uh, squad members. Uh, I want to call your attention to their live training, Pay What You Can, that's on their website. This training is pay what you can, which means you pay, if you can pay zero, zero, if you can pay the full price of 575, go on that. Um, three of these courses, SOC Core Skills, Active Defense, Cyber Decession, and Getting Started in Cyber, keywords getting started in cyber taught by john strand himself this guy is a legend in our industry and he's a really nice guy uh check out the other training on the course i also want to remind everybody um i put it in chat yesterday mods i don't know if you can find it but um i there tomorrow at noon uh anti-siphon training is doing a free webinar on how to OSINT like a boss and i signed up for it i will be there um I'd have to go back and find. If anyone in mods can do it, uh, that would be really, really helpful. But I wanted to make everybody aware about that training as well. All right, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, I, I will admit I'm I'm a little distracted right now, so I'm not sure who had the baton yesterday. I think Nick Barker tagged Jim Wales, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Jim Wales, I'll assume Jim Wales. So Jim Wales, if you're in chat, please tag somebody. Sherry! Sherry with the sponsorship! <laughs> Thanks, Sherry. Welcome to the Simply Cyber Squad community. Don't be shy with the uh, with the emo tray. We'll do some Oprah's for Sherry. Yes, community, thank you so much. So Jim Wales, please connect, uh, please pass the baton. Tag somebody. Guys, go onto LinkedIn. Search for the hashtag that you're looking on screen. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And connect comment on the posts there and then most importantly connect do the connect button with the posters and the people in comments here's what's going to happen you do this for like two weeks your linkedin feed like when you log into linkedin and see posts they're going to be curated it's going to be valuable cyber content there'll be some other crap there still but for the most part you're going to start weeding out junk and you're going to start getting a more positive useful valuable experience keep doing it lean into it Build your professional network. Believe me, you are going to be so, so freaking happy uh, that you did it. Uh, 
BSEC has just dropped the link in chat for me. This is it right here. Uh, go there, please. This is it right here. OSINT Uncover, unlocking the hidden gems of online information, all right? Get on it. It's going to be good. James McQuiggan, we only had 59 likes today with the record. 318, let's get to 200. All right. Finally, on Tuesdays, I share a little bit about me uh, just to see if we resonate with each other. I want to tell you, I am digital all the time, all over the place. But even despite having bought like a little iPad mini and installing like a notes app and trying to use the pencil and write all these things, I got to tell you guys, nothing. I have not found anything that works for my workflows better than paper and pen and these like little journal notebooks. Like I use these things religiously and I, I don't know what it is, but like the way that I think and the way that I remember and the way that I jot notes down and action items uh, during meetings and stuff, it's got to be good old pen and paper. So I want to digital everything. I, I want to be Bobby Digital to take a little Wu-Tang reference there for some people. I want to be digital everything, yet I cannot break free from the pen and paper with the little notebook. And it's got, like, by the way, just to be really particular, it's got to be this dimension, right? I don't like the big eight and a half by 11 one. Like, get out of here with that business. I, it's too big. And I don't like the little tiny ones. Those are annoying because I, I like, what am, what am I going to write on this tiny sliver of paper? This right here, Oh, this is the right size. It's about the size of my hand. So if you're feeling me, haul about it. Holla, holla, holla. Uh, I do like the moleskin books. I am that guy. But yes, so I'm uh, I'm team uh, notebook. <laughs> I'm team living in the 70s. Holla. That shares mitigation for Outlook. Oh, uh, thanks so much, Jamie Fleck. After the most recent Microsoft Outlook security update, the desktop app started blocking attempts to open IP addresses or fully qualified domain name hyperlinks. The company confirmed the issue, saying users could see warnings about an unsafe location, a random error message, or just no explanation at all. The company didn't patch the issue, but issued a temporary workaround. Microsoft said users can add these URLs to Outlook's trusted sites, although they warned this would make a machine more vulnerable to malicious activity. All right, wow. All right, so half the community... All right, there's a lot going on here. James McQuiggan just dropped 10 gifted subs. Thanks so much, John. Uh, John. Thanks so much, James. Jamie Fleck with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Guys, you guys are straight crushing it. David dropping compliments. Best cybersecurity podcast. Thanks, my man. All right. Also, also, Microsoft sharing fixes for Outlook hyperlinks not opening. So basically, if your end users are calling help desk and saying that it's not working, which I would have to think they're not unless, you know, they can't figure it out because you could just copy and paste it into a browser URL bar and you're off and running. But apparently there's some issue. This is one of those things. Guys, here's the TLDR with this one. When, when, when we introduce security controls, right? A security control is to prevent bad from happening. But you've got to remember, we are on a slider. Think of a straight line like a lint. Hold on. I don't do this often, but think of a, think of a straight line, okay? And on one end is usability, and on the other end is security. And there's a little, you know pin or a, a, a slider bar on the thing. The more you get towards usable, the less secure it is. And the more you get towards secure, the less usable it is, right? So we live... <laughs> um, 
so we live somewhere in the middle, right? And we are constantly wanting to find that happy medium because if you make it too secure, the business is going to complain and cry and then find workarounds um, to get around your controls. And if you make it too usable, well, you might as well get your resume dusted off because your company is going to go uh, like into a dumpster fire, um, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, get pwned. So we got to live in the middle somewhere. And, but occasionally we introduce a control that breaks things or doesn't work. And it sounds like this Outlook control to prevent, to prevent Carl and other end users from clicking on stuff and not doing it right. Um, mods, it looks like Billy did some. Can you guys get a screen cap? Um, can you get a screen cap, please, so I could see what, what's up? Um, so TLDR. It sounds like Outlook had a small thing and it broke and now they can fix it. Uh, BSEX reporting that you can just put an IP address in the URL bar. You could have done that forever. It basically gets around DNS, right? When you put an IP address in a uh, URL bar, you're you're like explicitly circumventing DNS, which is domain name service, which basically translates names that you and I take uh, can read like google.com uh, and translates it into an IPv4 address. Um, and they've got straight. Um... All right. So two things as an update. Uh, Billy. Billy Presley reporting. Hold on. I've, I do have an earbud thing. So let me pretend I'm like breaking news sounder. Do, 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 do. Hey, this is just coming in across the wire. Billy Presley accepted a job as an ethical hacker or he was offered a job for an ethical hacker. Whether he accepts it is yet to be in rain. Stay tuned. Details at 11. Okay. Nice job, Billy. Super pumped for you. Congratulations. Love. Guys, we have been on a, a tear, uh, the Simply Cyber community, the last couple of weeks with people just dropping dropping bombs about getting jobs, doing contract, um, excuse me, salary negotiations and winning, um, transitioning into the field. So just super, super happy for the, uh, for the community. And congratulations to everybody that's uh, put in the hard work and is now reaping those rewards. Also, really quickly, while I've got you, I want to, uh, since we're talking community, uh, I want to remind everybody that Basecase, who is um, one of the mods and a longtime Simply Cyber community member and uh, just a really great guy, he is actually on a panel at um, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time today uh, around navigating parenthood through your cybersecurity career. So if this uh, resonates with you, come check out Base. Um, he's on this panel. Let's keep going. Open SSH vulnerability exposes Linux systems. Security researchers at Qualys disclosed details on a now-patched Open SSH bug that opened the door for remote code execution. The researchers developed a proof-of-concept exploit against default Ubuntu installations, suspecting many other Linux distributions of being susceptible. The exploit allowed an attacker that obtained access to the remote server of a connected SSH agent to immediately load any shared library to the agent's workstation. There's no evidence of exploitation in the wild. All right. <clears throat> so Linux systems running open SSH. This is really common. Uh, James Randolph points out that sometimes you can't put an IP address in there. That is absolutely true. Um, David, I have done a talk. I have two different talks on Simply Cyber's channel in the catalog around negotiating a salary. In full transparency, I am terrible at negotiating salaries personally. Um, it's very uncomfortable for me, uh, but <clears throat> I have two videos on the channel on how to do it, uh, and uh, both of them involve uh, other people helping me uh, deliver the how-to in the messages. Alexa, 
Oh, hold on. I just triggered my digital assistant. There we go. Um, Alexa has a pen test interview today. Go crush that. Can't wait. Uh, super pumped for you. Yeah, yeah, I hope you're next to Alexa. Hey, awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's go at Jaw Jack and we'll send Alexa some good vibes. I've got a hard, hard stop at 9 a.m. I have a, a client meeting at 9 a.m. Uh, so let's keep rolling. Uh, anyways, OpenSSH, they said that they're not seeing any uh, exploitation in the wild, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Remember, exploitation and a vulnerability score is a temporal uh, value, right? Temporal meaning it, it, it it's time-based. So this issue is an issue to note, but it's not a major issue. But right now, or in an hour, or tomorrow morning, a threat actor or security researcher could release a proof of concept or POC of exploitation. And then it gets posted on GitHub and then people start tinkering with it. Then a full exploit gets released, right? And then when that's happening, when we're seeing active exploitation in the wild, the risk of this goes up, hence temporal. So all I would say is if you're running any version of OpenSSH on your Linux infrastructure before 9.3p2, you may want to um, investigate updating your OpenSSH. Guys, I, I will tell you, and this is my own personal uh, experience and my own personal thoughts, you do not want to screw around with your Linux infrastructure. Linux uh, is very good, and a lot of times it's used for back-end IT infrastructure. It's not used for your daily... Like, end users are not using Linux for their for their workstations, right? Some Some do, and like, let's not get into that. But my point is when you have like IT servers in the back end running Linux, they're typically doing important things, sensitive things, critical things. So don't and and come on, let's be real. Every everybody's SSH and into those boxes. You're not like you're not going to the server room and like opening a KVM blade and, and do you're you're SSH and into it, right? Uh, or your automated scripts are SSH and into it. So don't screw around. Update your open SSH if you haven't done it, and let's go. Lazarus targeting GitHub devs. The popular code repository wrote up new findings that the pernicious North Korean-backed APT began impersonating as recruiters and developers on its platform. This appears as part of a low-volume social engineering campaign across LinkedIn, Slack, Telegram, and GitHub. The group posed with legitimate accounts they've taken over, attempting to get other users to clone and execute a GitHub library to further spread a two-stage malware. The company claims none of its systems or NPM systems became compromised in the campaign. All right, so here's the deal. <clears throat> for numerous different reasons, which I, I leave it as an exercise for the community to do, or we could talk about it on a different stream. Um, North Korea is like big on <laughs> like setting up fake job interviews and targeting developers. They're also big on applying to jobs and getting the job as a fake employee. Um, there is an excellent uh, Darknet Diaries episode. It's a recent one. Uh, I think, uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not certain, but the name of the episode is like a guy's name, like Brandon Mitchell, or like I'm the real Brandon Mitchell or something like that. It's, it's, it's basically because North Korea was uh, impersonating him and going to job interviews and stuff like that. This is all a way for North Korea to do a couple things, right? Um, get get developers potentially to install malware for the technical interview. Then they compromise their box and see what they do. Also for North Korea to get uh, jobs, legit jobs that give them legit access at legit businesses and then weaponize that access 
Um, you know what I mean? So like North Korea has been doing this for some time. It is a bit of uh, real Connor. Thank you, Tom Pike. Good to see you, Tom Pike. Jesus. It's been a minute. I love me some Tom Pike. Uh, episode 133. I'm the real Connor. So check it out. It's a quick episode, but it is interesting. And it literally is what it's it's exactly what this story is. So if you want to go a little deeper on this story, uh, check out episode 133 on Darknet Diaries. Um, and you can see here um, they're fooling targets into loading repos with malicious code. So the ultimate this is like the most laborious social engineering tech uh, I've seen for some time. But the idea is that they're getting uh, developers and recruiters to install malware so they could take their box over and do, you know, information uh, stealing and uh, probably spying and uh, espionage type things and, and, you know, get source code. All right, let's keep going. Twitter is now X. Stupid. We talked about it yesterday, but the platform formerly known as Twitter changed its branding to X with X.com now redirecting to Twitter.com. Chairman Elon Musk described the current logo as interim, with the site now losing its iconic baby blue in favor of black. Musk already changed the legal name of Twitter Inc. to X Corp. back in April. He kind of has a thing for this branding. He founded X.com back in 1997, which eventually transitioned to PayPal. All right. Um, okay, so a couple of things here. Um, one... Uh, Angular says, can I, can I argue, can I negotiate a salary even though there's clear lines? Uh, no, not typically. But what I would say Angular is don't try to negotiate extra compensation financially, but get other things like pay for my cell phone, give me Fridays off. I, you know, I work or, you know, I get to work remotely. Like think of things that are not financial that you can get. Um, oh my God, Dash X going to give it to you. Like, get some DMX love in here, buddy. Um, I I get that everything is the X. It's just, here's my thing, right? And I was talking to a, a, a senior engineer yesterday. Like, how are you going to search on the internet for X and think that you're going to get Twitter's platform, right? Like, I get it if they called it, like, social media X or media X or something. But just plain X is kind of dumb. Um, whatever. Um what are you going to call it? Like, oh, hey, send me... Like, people are like, oh, I got a tweet. Oh, Jerry tweeted this, right? That's gone now. So what are you going to say? Like, Jerry X'd this? That's kind of dumb. Yeah, uh, B BSEC right now is saying, like, you like searching for triple X. Guess what's going to come up if you search for that? Not Twitter or not whatever, the artist formerly known as Twitter. I think this is such a bonehead move. But guess what? Elon Musk... Um, like in me just saying Elon Musk, he's already made more money than I'll make this year, right? Like, so he's clearly, he's clearly uh, smarter than me when it comes to stuff like this, I I suppose. So, um, you know, let's let's go with it. But I'll play this one more time. You are so dumb. You are really dumb for real. I just don't think it's a good idea. I think it it like I think it detonates and implodes. Years of branding, marketing, value. Uh, I did see someone's hot take saying that like he's intentionally bankrupting it so he can get out of the the purchase somehow. Uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting take. But um, anyways, yeah, we'll see what he does. We'll see what he does. If if Meta could like get out of their own way and actually make a uh, make threads useful. Uh, including discoverability, that would be cool. Um, it, I just, yeah. Anyways, Twitter is now X. 
this will be one of those moments where you know how old someone is because they 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 remember when it was called Twitter. Generational defining it. All right. What time is it? 8.52. Let's, uh, that's going to do it for the news. Before everybody goes, uh, I have been really backed up. I've got, guys, I've got a lot going on professionally. Um, but just, I haven't had a chance to do this yet. But tomorrow uh, is Wednesday at 1 p.m. We are doing episode five of the How to Market Your Cyber Self Simply Cyber original podcast series. This is a limited eight episode run. We've been doing it every two weeks uh, for the last month. We'll continue it for next month. Uh, This woman right here uh, is Virginia Case. She's a marketing executive. She works within the cybersecurity sphere. She's a wonderful woman, incredibly intelligent, knows how to market. um, And we've been talking about how to market yourself, how to market your business, how to start a business. Um, best practices to do and stuff like that. Tomorrow, come join us. Like I said, look on the channel uh, later today on um, look on the channel later today for the um, for the, the, the for the the event, and uh, we'll get that there. I just again, I, it, as much as much as I uh, get a super amount of support from the mods and from the team and stuff like that. Um, I just, I haven't had time. I've been overwhelmed, frankly, with a bunch of stuff. Um, can we know if Kenosis has accepted the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Uh, please let me know in chat. Um, also, um, also, just please know, this Thursday, I haven't scheduled it either. For Simply Cyber Live, I haven't had an opportunity to um, schedule it, but we will be doing... At 4.30 p.m. on Thursday Eastern, we're doing a live stream providing updates on Simply CyberCon, everything you need to know on where we are. Uh, we've got our keynote. We've got our speakers lined up. We've got a, a bunch of uh, great updates to share with the community. The workshops are lined up. We'll tell you what, how you can get involved, uh, what you can expect to see in the next month. Uh, so that's very exciting. So look for the channel for that as well. Guys, that's going to do it for the stream. I've got um, a couple minutes i'll look at chat but i have a i have a hard stop client meeting at in six minutes so i'll give this a a, a minute here josh mcador yeah i've messaged josh i actually like joined his youtube membership thing um it's not for lack of interest space tacos it's just time like get like catch me catch me outside catch me outside how about that if outside was september 2nd catch me outside i'll see you guys september 2nd uh, where I'll have a lot more time. Uh, sw- switch back to the super caffeinated coffee. No way, man. That was that almost blew me up. Uh, yo, uh, Brian W says that my video is janky. I think I don't know. Um, have a wonderful week, everyone. Have a good one. Thank you, thank you. What are your thoughts? Okay, hold on. What do you think of pears better with French roast, vanilla or caramel? Uh, ugh. I mean, I don't put those additives in my drink. But I do enjoy, um, I guess if I had to pick, I prefer caramel, but in my coffee, I'd put vanilla if I had to have one. Eric with the super, uh, with the uh, squad membership, gifted membership, going to Xavier. Thank you, Eric, for gifting that membership. All right, guys. Did we get it? Can we tag Dash? Dash? Uh, I do want to get the Simply Cyber Community Challenge sorted out. Um, Dash, can we get you, uh, would Dash like to accept, hey Carl, 
Can we, Dash, would you like to accept the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Let me know before we end the stream. Jamie Fleck again. Thanks for the super chat this morning. Very, very uh, appreciative. Have a good one, Carrie. Be good. Uh, all right. Dash is accepted. So where we go. Go guys on to uh, LinkedIn and look for Dash's Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thanks so much, Dash. All right, guys. That's going to do it for the show. I'm Jerry. You're the Simply Cyber Community. Thank you all so very much. And we will see you uh, tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Be good, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.